When nothing can satisfy And the world leaves you high and dry Just come to the will And all who thirst will thirst no more And all who search will fight what their souls long for The world will try, but it can never fail So leave it all behind And come to the <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Been a minute since I've seen y'all. <laughs> uh, so a week before last, we talked about hope. I read from John 4, 13 and 14. It says, Everyone who drinks of this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give, I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. And we talked about the hope that that brings, the promise of eternity from Christ. <clears throat> Last week, I wasn't here, but we would have talked about joy. No. No, peace. No, you need a light with the candle. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> We want to talk about peace last week. <laughs> rules. Make it difficult. That's okay. And I will read to you
about the woman at the well. And I don't want to leave in the middle of that story. I want to continue where we left off. And so I'm going to talk to you about peace. And I will talk to you about joy. So you're getting two for one deal today. <laughs> but we left off with the story of a certain woman at Jacob's well talking with Jesus. And when we were last here, Jesus had just invited, ignited the flame of hope by promising living water to the woman. And she saw that glimmer of hope because she's in a desert. She understands the significance of a well or an oasis or any place of water being a sign of hope when you're lost in the desert. And that's what Jesus is to us in our life is that sign of hope. But it can also bring peace to us. And she finds that out in the next few verses as she continues her conversation with Jesus at the well. And we pick up in verse 15. And she says, Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you've had five husbands, and the man you, are, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so in confession of what has caused so much strife in your life, confession of the sins that have happened in the past helps to bring peace like you've never felt before in your life. And that's where Jesus is leading up to. He's got her talking about what's going on in her life and where, why she's at the well at noon and not in the morning when it's cooler. Why she's not with the other group of women at the well, but she's by herself. She confesses to him that she's had five husbands and now she's with a sixth man who's not even her husband. And Jesus says, you know the truth. And so she does... She, she doesn't know how to explain what's going on in her heart right now because she's confessed this and it's felt like a weight's lifted. We've all been there if we've given our life to Christ. But she does what most all of us start to do. We start to get a little combative. We start to try and argue and point things out and try and uh, bring things up. But what Jesus does is he flips that and he makes it about worship. And she says, Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. Jesus flips her argument to worship and shows her that she's going to get peace through worship. And that it doesn't matter where you worship, it only matters who you worship. And when you worship God through Jesus Christ, you find 
peace. And Jesus promises that that doesn't have to be in Jerusalem. And it doesn't have to be on that particular mountain where that well is. But instead you're able to do that wherever and whenever. Jesus opens up all new avenues for us to find peace in Him. And then she, and then He continues on in verses 23 through 26. He says, But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the fathers want such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. <coughs> the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is our Savior. And that should bring more peace to you than anything. It should bring more peace to your life than anything else. To know that you have salvation in Christ. All you need to do is confess. You don't have to confess to me. You don't have to confess to another living human being. Confess to Christ. Offer your sins up to Him. He's already paid the price for them. He's already signed the check. He's already waved the fee. He's done everything that needs to be done for them. All he's waiting on is you to hand them over. It's for you to fess up about them and you will feel peace like you have never felt before in your life. And once we find peace in Jesus, that's when we can begin to have joy. So continuing on, here's your second part. Joy. Joy is what we're longing for. Joy is what we're searching for. There's so many bad things going on in the world. So many things that bring us down and put us in a depressive state. So many troubles and tribulations and trials that we go through in life. It's a single opportunity of joy worth more than we'll ever know. What we find is that there is excitement for the peace of Christ once we find it. And we see that starting in verse 27. It says, Just then the disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? But then the woman left her water jar went into town and told the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left town and made their way to him. Could this be the Messiah? She found a moment of joy to go spread the news of the gospel to the people in town. She left the reason she was at the well there. She come to collect water and she left with so much more. And she offered to share that with others because she was excited for what had just happened. 
She couldn't explain it. She couldn't understand it. But she couldn't wait to share it. And too many times do we have something like that happen in our life and we go and we worry on it. And we struggle with it and we hoard it up in our own hearts. And we should be shouting it in the streets and sharing it with other people. Christ lives. The Messiah is here. And He has brought me peace. He has told me everything I've ever did. I didn't even have to really tell Him. He already knew. But He's here and He talked to me. Come and talk to Him yourself. And then something amazing happened. Starting at verse 31, it says, In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Jesus had been fed, not by physical hands, but by God by the interaction he just had with this woman. He was fed spiritually because he knew that she was spreading the gospel of him. She was telling others that the Messiah was here. He had come out in the open and openly and publicly admitted to being the Messiah to a Samaritan woman. Not out to the Jews, but to a Samaritan. Not out to the Pharisees, but to a woman. He told what the society around him said was the lowest of the low about him being there. And he found joy in it. He found joy from us. He found joy. He finds joy from us when we confess to Him. He finds joy in us when we share His Word. And so often we look in this season and we're looking for our own joy, we don't realize how much joy we bring God when we confess our sins, when we share the Gospel of Christ with other people, we bring joy to God. And what He has and has already had he can pour out overflowingly back to you. And it just becomes a cycle that the more we share, the more joy we find because the more joy He pours out. And Jesus tries to explain that to them. He tries to explain that to them from verse 33 to 38. It says, the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? They didn't quite understand it, so he has to explain it. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. 
Jesus is explaining to the disciples that there's joy in the harvest. There's joy in knowing that what was sown by the prophets and sown by those who came before, such as John the Baptist, who said, I come to make a way for he who is greater than me. He was speaking of Jesus and that way had been made. The disciples were getting to reap from that sowing. It's all been there. All the thoughts of the Messiah, the urgings, the lessons, the talk about them, the wondering about them, the hoping for them, and the wishing for them, it's always been there. And then here he is. And the disciples got to reap from that. And then they sowed new seeds in the foundings of the church and the growing of the church over the ages to where we get to reap from what they sown. We already have the knowledge. It's all put together nice and neat when they had separate scrolls to deal with. Individual letters being passed back and forth. We got it nice and neat in a bound book. So we get to reap from what they sown, the struggles they went through, the persecutions they faced. All our forefathers in the church throughout church history, all the strife and the dissension in the church and the fighting amongst different churches. We get to sow everything that happened in the past. And reap. We, we get to reap everything that happened and bring it forth as new fruit. Learn from it. Study it. Understand the mistakes that were made and the truths that come out of it. See, Jesus says that you will know in truth and spirit. So listen to the spirit and learn the truth. And you'll find joy in the reaping. There's joy in the harvest. And in the last few verses, it says, starting in verse 39, it says, How many Samaritans, or now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. See, when we share the gospel, we spread joy. We're sharing joy with people. And when they find out what that comes from, they seek that for themselves. They start studying for themselves. They start learning for themselves so that they can read the words themselves and understand them themselves so that they don't have to go off of your testimony any longer. Your testimony is a gateway to get them in the right place. When you share the gospel, you're opening a door for them to come in and be a part of the family. But once they're in, they get to experience it for themselves and get their own testimony that they can share and open the door for others. Because there's a lot of people out there 
they're standing at different doors, standing in different places that you or I might not be able to go, but somebody that we witness to might be able to. And there's a lot of small country pastors who never preach to more than 10 or 20 people. But one of those people may go on to preach to thousands. And he didn't even realize it. But if he gave up because it was a small church, those thousands would have never heard the message. So don't think that you're just one person, you can't make a difference because you can. You may reach the next Billy Graham. You may go on to be the next Jonathan Edwards or Ignatius or Augustus or any of the other names that come up through history who have been caused for reformation in the church or spreading the gospel or the sharing the gospel. There are languages all around the world who have never read the Bible. People who can't see it in their own language. You may be there, William Tisdale. And you may not even realize it. So don't neglect the spreading of joy. Share the gospel with those that are around you. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this simple message and what all it means, Lord, and give us the strength and courage to carry on in your good work, to share your message with all those that are around us, to talk with people and walk with people and don't be afraid to share with people. Lord, I ask that you bless each and every heart and mind here, that if they are on the fence about you, Lord, that they cross on over that fence and they give their heart to you so that they can experience the peace and joy that you bring. It only comes through knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I ask that you urge them to share that gospel with others around them so that they might have the chance to know you. And I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.